Hey everybody and welcome to Church in the Wild. This is Seth Trimmer and this episode is going to talk about the silver linings in this COVID crisis. I figured that there's so much discussion already happening about all the terrible things happening in the world, the economic impacts and all those uh, that are contracting the disease, deaths happening from... There's a lot of bad news out there. There are a lot of reasons to tune into a lot of negative things in this moment, even the political bickering happening back and forth between sides at this um, whole moment has given rise to. And I just thought I would try to contribute something to conversation that had a little bit more of a positive spin to it. And I don't know how many of you are thinking about this as I have interacted with several people over the last couple of weeks. Everyone's finding at least one or two silver linings out of this whole moment. And I think it's important to actually acknowledge these things. It's easy to think that in moments like this, that God is absent, or maybe that God isn't working, or isn't even working in obvious ways. But I think the opposite is actually quite profoundly true, that even in dark moments, God is actually working uh, significantly. And if we could open our eyes past sometimes our own anxiety and pain, we could see it. So with all that in mind, you guys, I want to throw out some of my silver linings over the last few weeks. I've got all my anxieties and worries and I have all my struggles and I'm having just being locked up mostly in my house with my family as I'm sure you all are but no one has committed murder in my house yet and that is a win and I am chalking that up to the grace of Jesus um, but uh, for all the negatives going on in my world I do have some silver linings and I'd like to share them all with you uh, the first one is actually an ironic one because I want to talk about podcasting Stats have come out recently about podcasting, and podcast listening is down, you guys. It is down. I don't know if you realize this or if you saw this report, but in some cases, up to 20 to 30% down. Now, people are wondering. Now, it's it varies across the genre of podcasts. There's a couple genres of podcasts that are actually up, and those are having to do with like kids' podcasts, uh, fiction-based ones, stuff that have to deal with basically how you manage kids in a crisis like this sort of a moment. Those sorts of podcasts are up. But generally speaking, podcasts are down. And one of the theories that's going around about this is that podcasts are associated with multitasking, that in a high-paced um, cultural uh, moment, podcasts come in to fill the gaps when you're driving, when you're on the train, in commute, uh, when you're working out, exercising on the treadmill, and so forth. And so essentially, the busier a culture is, the more prevalent podcast listening is. And now that busyness has been grinding to a halt on all kinds of levels, for most people at least, not all, but most, podcast listening is also going down. I would honestly say that's true of me, interestingly enough. I love podcasts, but I'm always listening to them when I'm working out um, or when I'm commuting or traveling. Uh, that's usually when I get most of my listening in. And now that I don't have as many of those opportunities anymore. My gym is closed, um, and I'm not traveling nearly as much, obviously. Uh, that's, just, that's just not happening as much. So here's a silver lining to it all. Uh, podcast is just one sign that we're, we're slowing down. Now, if you're listening to this, praise God for that. And even if you're listening to this while you're multitasking somehow, yeah, yeah wonderful. I just think the overall trend of people slowing down and even if podcast is one symptom of that, you know, that we are now taking more time, that we're not just wanting to sit alone in a room, maybe listening to a podcast as much, but maybe we're reading more. Uh, for sure, we're probably watching, you know, more screens, Netflix, kind of stuff like that. Um, but I think there is something to say that we are all probably, generally speaking, multitasking less. And I think that's a positive thing. I think it's good to just get reacclimated to being more present in a moment. 
and not being so busy. My wife and I have already had multiple conversations when we come out of this quarantine of what we want to do differently as a family, what we've learned now that we want to do different. There's such a normal fast pace to taking kids to sports and driving them around to friends' house and their activities. And then there's my work activities and church activities and you know, my wife's, my wife's social life and so on. There's just so many things going on that we've just realized that in certain seasons of time, we're never sitting down for dinner together. Uh, we're not having really any family activities together at all in a given week. We're just kind of all ships passing in the night. And we know that some things are just going to pick back up and they're going to get busier. We're going to go back to doing some of those things for sure. But we also don't want to just join the rat race again and just join the herd of lemmings running off the cliff into a frenetic pace of over-functioning busyness. We want to be mindful and see if we can't resist the status quo a little bit and say no to some things that we've said yes to in the past so that we can create more of these moments where we're actually more present to God and each other. And I think if there's something positive you can pull out of that moment, out of this moment, that that would be a great one to do so. Another trend that has been spiking online is prayer. Uh, Google just recently reported that uh, searches for the topic of prayer, how to pray, where to receive prayer, all those sorts of things, have spiked significantly, and they're spiking the most significantly in countries where we would call them like post-Christian, where um, where religion has been dying the quickest. It's starting to spike up the most. Um, this is something that I felt very early on in this moment that uh, God had spoken to me, that this was going to be a moment where specifically prayer was going to be elevated. I really felt like this was a time where many of the strategies of churches were going to fall flat because they revolve around social proximity, and all, all of our programs uh, just involve being together to some uh, level. But prayer is something that's... Um, Though it's somewhat hindered in that we can't gather together in the same space to pray, we can absolutely pray without any hindrance to God. And it seems like prayer is on the rise. Of all the churches that I talk to across the West Coast, across the nation, even the world, in some places in the world like China, shout out to all our Chinese churches out there, prayer is going up nonstop, just absolutely incessant. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the craving that people are now having to reach out in this time of need to God through prayer is just one symptom of a, or a silver lining of, uh, I think, something good that God is doing in this moment. So uh, if that's you, if you feel like your prayer life has increased in this moment, then that's amazing. Uh, let it continue to do so. And again, maybe examine what was it that was stopping you from praying before as much as you're praying now? Or um, just think about that and think about ways that this moment could carry over. And um, because it's easy to go through a crisis moment and just allow there to be a spiritual response in crisis that doesn't carry through when the crisis is over. I remember after 9 11, uh, church was packed for like one and a half weeks, you know, and then, and then most of the people just kind of disappeared. So consider that. Like there's always usually a spiritual awakening attached to moments like this. And let's allow, allow that awakening to continue far beyond this moment. And uh, I think that would be a. Uh, a good thing to ponder and consider. Now, another spiritual thing, and then I'll get on to some more humor slash practical ones or whatever, but uh, another spiritual silver lining I see to this all, churches are finding really creative ways to connect with one another. Uh, I've heard multiple stories of drive-in churches where uh, essentially they just open up their parking lots or find a giant parking lot and everyone just pulls in in their cars uh, for a church service, uh, basically, and they get some kind of scissor lift or a high stage. I've heard of some people just with giant flatbed trucks and they preach their sermon and broadcast it via 
via FM radio or Bluetooth somehow. And so everyone's able to engage in the same sort of worship environment that they would while they all stay obviously in the safety of their own vehicle. Uh, super cool idea. Um, I know there's a lot of list logistics behind that that may not make it uh, accessible for a lot of churches. We even pondered it here at our church, but didn't feel like we could pull it off with as much excellence as we were hoping to. So, so maybe we will, but at least not for now. But one of the really cool things is I've heard several reports from churches that are doing it, that they are seeing salvations, they're seeing people come to Jesus, um, they are seeing all kinds of prayer opportunities created through that moment that they're able to pray for, and um, and people are coming, they're actually seeing like attendance spikes in their drive-in churches even compared to their normal gatherings. All very cool. I know in, as all churches are moving online in some form or fashion, we're all now aware of just how many eyeballs we're getting on our content. and. Uh, this is generally true, I know, of us and of many other churches. It's surprising. All the church trends were showing that church attendance was dropping, and the average in America was somewhere between one and four to one in six weeks that people were attending church. So that's uh, it's dropping below once a month now as the average church attendance um, for someone who is a churchgoer. And that's taken into account that like for a church like ours, we have like, yeah, a huge chunk of our church is there pretty much every week. So, you know, you average that out and and people really have been becoming busier to the point where their church attendance is becoming very sparse. But again, now that this moment is slowing down, now that church is being made available online, um, now all these sorts of things, it is starting to pull more people in. And whereas we might see X number of people on a weekend, or a given church might see a certain number of people on a weekend, there's um, more people that seem to be tuning in online to what they're doing. Now, I think this is for a couple of reasons. Number one, because of the uh, decreasing attendance rates, this just means that there were more people attached to church or associated with church or, or you know, that are now all watching together that then would otherwise just show up on a given Sunday. So there's that. But also, and this is this is always true to an extent, that anytime you create an alternative medium for people to be able to connect with church, it's going to reach maybe a different audience. And so, again, a silver lining of this whole thing, people that might either be intimidated to go to church, might have had bad experiences in their past related to churches. So just even the idea of walking through the doors of one is almost just a, you know, it's almost a triggering idea of their own anxiety and pain or whatever else. Um, the bar is incredibly low when you get to stay in your own living room and just go on your internet browser to check out what a church is doing, and a lot of people are actually doing that. We've heard stories from some of our churches uh, around the world that we're associated with that, you know, as people are sheltered in place, parents, grandparents, extended family who don't go to church, may not even be Christian, are now watching the online services with their Christian family members and getting impacted by the gospel through that. Again, what an amazing silver lining. Um, I am still looking forward to the day when we can be back together. I don't think that online church is the church, um, but I think it's an it's a, this intermediate necessary tool that we're using, uh, and thank God that we do have it, and wouldn't you know it, God's using it. So praise God, wonderful, excited about all of that. Now, those are some of the more overtly spiritual things, um, but uh, here's just a couple of things that uh, I've also found as silver linings to this whole moment. Here's a more humorous one. If you guys, I don't recommend going on Twitter uh, these days because I'm just realizing it's deeply connected to the amount of anxiety and stress that I'm carrying in my day. It's almost directly proportional to the amount of time I spend on Twitter, so I'm almost completely not on Twitter anymore, especially Twitter comments. 
Um, it's just, I used to find it amusing watching people kind of going back and forth on stuff. And, and now it's just in this moment, uh, again, not great for my soul. However, you guys, uh, if you haven't heard of black Twitter, uh, here in America, that's a thing. And, uh, it's not anything official as far as I know, but it's, there's, there's some hashtags and there's some themes that go around, uh, where uh, black culture here in America tweets out some pretty amazing and oftentimes hilarious material. And there is a hashtag that's been going around, uh, largely in black Twitter circles, but I think it's probably bigger than that as well, uh, of, uh, calling the coronavirus or the COVID-19 virus, uh, the Rona. <laughs> And even say it without laughing. Some of the memes, some of the uh, tweets, some of the posts are just absolutely hilarious. I've actually started using the phrase. I was actually in my prayer journal the other day, and I, and I wasn't even thinking about it. I just uh, I said, "Thank you, God, that none of my family has the Rona." <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just wrote it and just see it. I, I know it's serious. I know people are. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But um, hearing people call it the Rona. And some of the memes that I've seen about it. Um, oh gosh, you guys, go bless yourself with that. It is a, it's a fun time. It's a silver lining for me, and I think we're all looking for a few more lighthearted moments in the midst of how serious everything else uh, can feel. Along those lines, you guys, I discovered something super cool. Uh, John Krasinski was the actor that played Jim on The Office, and at home. Uh, he and his family put together a little like makeshift news video uh, they put out on YouTube <clears throat> called the Good News Channel or the Good News Station or something like that. Um, and you can search for it on YouTube. But he just put together clips of heartwarming good stories that have been happening over the last couple of weeks rather than, again, all the negative and scary stuff. And they, he did a great job of it. So I'm recommending it generally. But specifically, you guys... Um, there, here's a little known fact about Seth Trimmer that on my devices, I have all, not, a, not just all of the office episodes, but I have all of the office, um, deleted scenes and outtake scenes, uh, all their blooper reels from every season. Um, I got, uh, I got the DVD sets as a gift, um, from family members. And so I just, I've had these blooper reels with me for a long time now. And anytime that I'm stressed, anytime I'm feeling overwhelmed, anytime I'm feeling particularly just anxious about, I this is my go-to. And I watch office blooper reels and I laugh and it just lifts uh, a lot of the cloud off. It's just a good humorous moment. Um, and there's one clip that Jim, uh, well, the character Jim, but John Krasinski brought on Steve Carell as a guest onto a show briefly. And they just chatted about The Office and they were having an anniversary for it and everything like that. And they talked about some of their favorite moments. And John brought up uh, the scene, uh, if you're familiar with The Office, if you're not, don't worry, I won't spend long on this, from Steve and Jan's uh, townhouse when they hosted a dinner party with Pam and Jim and uh, uh, Andy and Angela. And as they were giving a tour of the house, Michael was showing off his brand new flat screen TV, which was probably about a 15 inch TV. And it was mounted against the wall and one of those hinge mounts. And he's showing Jim like, yeah, and when we have company over, I just, you know, to create more space, I just push the TV against the wall. And so he takes this 15 inch little TV and pushes it about two inches to go flat against the wall. And it was an outtake scene. And so uh, John Krasinski, the character Jim, loses it just, and his laugh, his squeal of laughter, 
He said in the interview that it's like the hardest he's ever laughed in his life. And that it's so, I'm, I was so happy to hear him say that was one of his favorite moments from the entire experience of being on The Office because literally that is my favorite outtake. Listening to John Krasinski laugh at Steve Carell in that ridiculous scene, um, it never fails. It never fails to bring me laugh. I would have to be at like the funeral of a serious loved one to not laugh at that clip. It would have, it just, it is able to brighten my day in all kinds of ways. So if you search for John Krasinski's uh, Good News channel, I'll try to link it in the show notes. Um, you, I'm sure you will be blessed. Um, anyway, so there's another silver lining from this whole moment. A couple more I want to throw at you guys. Um, what we got here? Yeah, so here, here's another thing that I'm finding. This may be not be um, as fun of a silver lining, but it's absolutely a silver lining. This moment has afforded me the chance, like many of my previous episodes, to identify many of my own sources of anxiety. And I've done several uh, episodes on this because I think it's an appropriate moment to actually look beneath the surface of what's going on in our own lives right now. And the circumstances surrounding us is almost like we're being squeezed. And just like a dirty sponge that gets squeezed, sometimes all the dirt and junk comes to the surface. And I think that's what's happening if we'll pay attention in a lot of our lives. And this isn't to condemn or judge any of us. I think this is actually an invitation to... Um, especially if we have a little bit more time to be a little bit more introspective and to think a little bit more deeply and to even in our relationship with God, deal with some areas that we, you know, would never otherwise be, you know, have to deal with. You know, it's easy to say, I trust God, I have peace in God, and experience all the benefits of, of the gospel emotionally and personally in good times when um, all my normal routines aren't upset, when the economy's doing fine. Well, my bank account's doing fine. Um, but in a moment like this, where a lot of the normal kind of coping mechanisms we use to deal with our anxiety are taken away, um, then we we actually have to decide, wow, I guess, I guess there are some areas where I didn't trust Jesus as much as I thought I did, um, or where Jesus wasn't maybe the number one in every area of my life. That, that I praise God, like for exercise, diet, and sleep, work routines, friendships, uh, travel, all these things that are really amazing gifts and blessings to my life. But I've realized that there's times where I depend on those instead of God. Um, rather than being grateful to God for those gifts, I, I actually sometimes use them as a replacement for God in terms of just giving me a sense of peace or calm or managing my own anxiety. And this moment, when those things are taken away, is a chance for me to return my trust and, and give my heart back to Jesus. And to say, yeah, okay, I the anxiety level is higher in my life, and maybe that's somewhat normal to the season I'm in, but I don't want to waste the season at the same time. So, uh, Lord, search my heart, and if there is anything in me that isn't trusting in you in the way that it should, help help me to do so. And this is a moment that is really, really great for that. This is also a moment where I realize that um, I can't control the anxiety of others. I really can't control the behavior of others even. And so I'm learning how to be more mindful of my own presence and my relationships with my wife and with my kids, um, that I'm not responsible to control them. I'm responsible to be a non-anxious presence with them, to be a spirit-filled presence with them. 
and that's that is my primary responsibility that I have to take very seriously because my default is is especially when things are chaotic and crazy is just to try to control everything externally uh, rather than exhibiting a spirit-filled self-control and bringing a non-anxious, calm, faith-filled presence into the room with them. That's going to be a real blessing to them. So again, all of this is really good. Silver lining helps for me. Um, and here's a, here's the last thing I want to talk about on this uh, on this episode of Silver Linings. There's a lot more I could talk about, but here's the last one I want to mention is empathy. You guys, I just found myself with a surprising amount of increased empathy for a few different categories of people. Number one, and maybe most obvious, is the homebound people for whom this sort of stay-at-home um, quarantine sort of lifestyle is normative due to uh, maybe age or disability of some kind. And um, all the churches out there that uh, that work hard to care for people in those situations and to love on people in those situations, just praise God for you. And uh, I want to make sure that uh, I'm mindful of that, even having my own grandparents that have been in that situation here in town. They've since passed away, um, but I, I, I'm i just vividly aware there's a lot of people in, uh, in nursing homes and all kinds of places that... Um, that don't get to engage with the world around them and the way that most of us take for granted. And so I'm having just an empathy for them in the moment as I'm kind of experiencing a little bit of life as they might experience it on a more regular basis. Um, secondly, uh, for sure, those incarcerated, those in prison, those under house arrest, um, that's not an easy thing. And though it may be deserved uh, as the appropriate punishment for their crimes. Um, that's that's really not an easy emotional thing. And so I think about people that I've known that have been to prison, that <clears throat> are in prison. Um, and, you know, at, at some point, most criminals, well over 90% of them, are going to get out of prison. And you got to consider what kind of a person do we want to re-enter into society? And I just think, you know, there's a lot of challenges and hurdles there when you have been locked up um, and don't have the ability to interact socially and be around all the positive influences, you know, that, that we have in our world. Um, and that's that's not easy. That's not easy to do. And so, again, it's just it's just raising my my empathy. I'm not trying to excuse anyone's crime or saying that they shouldn't be locked up. I'm not. I'm not challenging the justice system of America or, or anywhere else. Um, but just realizing that, um, yeah, I think everybody needs hope and encouragement, and especially for those that are going to re-enter society one day, um, they they need it too. And um, and I just again, it, it has risen my respect for people that even do prison ministries. And reach out and connect with people there to try to humanize them and 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 give them a sense of hope and redemption, um, new life that's possible uh, even beyond their past. That's really awesome. So uh, again, just new level of compassion for that. And the last one, and this one has just come out of going to the grocery store and seeing um, a lot of people wearing masks, a lot of people who are obviously scared, people who are going out of their way to avoid me. Um, if I'm walking down the sidewalk, a lot of people crossing to the other side of the street. If I'm walking towards them, just taking a wide berth around me. Everybody noticing each other, but from a personal just standpoint, just everybody is noticing me and everyone's suspicious, like wondering, do I have the virus? Uh, am I contagious? And, and, and assuming that I do, and so they stay as far away from me as they can. And I get that's what that's the 
I get it. That's where we're at. It's what we're dealing with. It's the times that we're in. But you know what it gives me empathy for? I've had so many um, friends, uh, particularly black friends, many of them, who I've realized have described similar experiences just in their normal life. Well, it's not virus related, but because of the color of their skin, when they're walking down the street, having people cross to the other side, walking through a store, maybe having people take a wide berth around them, having people notice them when everyone else is kind of walking by, you know, unnoticed, they are. And there's that bias or suspicion that leans towards, you know, fear, um, that maybe they're up to no good or, and so watching people even physically react, clutching their purse or, you know, so on and so forth. And it, I've heard these stories so much and I've had enough friends in these conversations to spark a significant amount of compassion for that and to realize that that's an issue for many. I'm not going to generalize that and say all, but for many that I've known, uh, particularly black men. And I, I just want to say that I'm not also not trying to compare my experience now as if that's the same as what they experience at all. I'm just saying there's a it seems to be like a, almost like a, a similarity, a shadow of having people look at you and then take a wide berth around you or cross the other side of the street or do their best to avoid you because they believe, you know, they don't want to be catch anything from you sort of an idea. And it's at least related. It's not the same. It's totally not the same. And this is a temporary moment that's going to go away and I'm going to blend right back into majority culture and everything's going to go back to the way that it was. I'm just saying in this moment, I am... I'm aware of what that might be like more so for some people on the regular. And man, that just that raises my level of empathy for that. It feels gross. I don't like being treated like that. I don't like people wearing masks around me as if they're going to catch something from me and they 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 assume something bad about me without even knowing anything about me. They and I realize, I get it, I, we're all do, I get it, it's just social distancing. But I think about the way that it, if I'm really being honest, it makes me feel, it just makes me feel gross, icky, and alienated, and judged, um, dehumanized a little bit. And again, I'm not trying to, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to put myself in the same place of people that deal with this based on the color of their skin or some other condition, you know, that it's far more serious. I'm just saying, it, I get it just affirming people's pain and the challenge of that, especially being a minority and majority culture and, um, and all the bias conscious and unconscious that exists. And, um, yeah, man, I'm thankful for opportunities like this because they just help me to love people better, be more compassionate when, political or social conversations are raging in our world to just to look beneath all the conflict and rage and sound bites, especially on social media. And just remember there's real people on both sides of those arguments that probably have real ideas and real lives and real pain and real stories connected to them. And um, yeah, everyone, you know, needs to be heard. And um, most conflicts get intense because each side is representing some realm of truth. And so I, um, I just want to be sure that I'm making sure that I'm leaning into people whose 
experience of life is different than mine. Culture they come from is different than mine. You know, can walk down the same street that I do in my city and yet have a very different experience than me. And uh, I, yeah, I think that's part of being a Christian is, is being mindful and open that my experience is not the universal experience of everyone and um, having compassion and empathy for people whose experiences are not like mine is, is a really powerful thing. It can be a really um, unifying thing. And uh, so I'm hoping that even if you're listening to this, that you would just weigh and consider, is there is there any empathy that has risen in you during this moment? For It doesn't have to be anything that I mentioned, but anything at all, anyone that you find yourself in compassion for? Have you felt just anxiety rise in you? And maybe you've just got more empathy for people that deal with this generally all the time. Um, yeah, what is it? What kind, of a, what kind of empathy rises up in you? It's something worth pondering and considering. Just silver linings here, you guys, helping me become more like Christ, uh, closer to Christ, uh, trusting greater in Christ. All these things, they're all silver linings um, that I'm appreciative of. One thing that I've gotten back in the habit of doing and this is what I'll close on. One thing I've gotten the habit of doing during this uh, stay-at-home order we have here in the state of Oregon is every night, my wife is an early riser, and I'm typically more of a night owl. And so she rises early and gets the kids going on a good routine. And I'm usually the one responsible at the end of the night, make sure they're, you know, settling down, getting to bed, and, and kind of the house is kind of all put together at the end of the day. And Every night I've been, I love reading out loud um, to my kids. And so we've read a ton of books together. And we just started a new one. So every night we read together. And then we've been watching a show together. And it's a show we kind of all enjoy and love. And the other night I had my kids all sitting with me on the couch. We just got done reading and started watching this new show. And it had just hit a cliffhanger. Uh, at the end of the show. And so they're begging me to watch another episode, begging me, begging me, begging me. And I usually say, no, you know, come on, it's bedtime, let's go. But this time I just said, you know, you know, let's go for it, what the heck. And so I turned on the show and they all cheered and everything. And it was this really pure, beautiful moment. And one of my kids says, oh man, this time is what I look forward to the most all day. And they all just started agreeing, like, oh, yeah, no, totally. This is the best part of the day. Um, you want to talk about what warms a father's heart? It's just hearing their kids genuinely. I, this wasn't manufactured. Genuinely and spontaneously. Vocalizing their enjoyment of just being together. Because we're watching kind of a cheesy show, you know, it's funny, it's cheesy, it's got sports involved within it, so there's a little bit of something for everyone, a lot of drama, but it's almost, it's like, you don't take it too seriously, so we're making fun of it as much as we're enjoying it. You guys, it's just, those are the moments. Those are the moments that really make life and family, you know, that you'll remember, like these are the good old days, and this is the stuff that we'll remember. COVID-19, of all the stuff that happened. I'll remember being together with my kids, sharing an experience together. And the older my kids get, especially into teenage years, sharing moments all together that we genuinely enjoy and look forward to. Guys, those are, any of you with teenagers out there know, those are amazing moments. And um, the restrictions around this time opened up, opened up an opportunity. 
And I believe that you have those same openings happening for you somewhere. I know this is hard for many of you, and I know this is kind of boring for many of you. And no matter what's going on in your world, what are your silver linings? What is God opening up? What cool things are happening? Guys, there's a lot of good news out there. There's a lot of encouraging things happening out there. Make sure you pay attention to that and not just the bad news. Make sure you're listening to things that are building you up and not just either tearing you down or telling you to divide from someone else who is thinking differently than you. Um, yeah, let's, Jesus, let's let Jesus have his way in this time and see, see what he brings out of it. And I think this could be really great. I want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of Church in the Wild. It's a little bit different, but I hope it's a good value for you in the moment that you're in your life now. Grace and peace to you all. We'll talk to you next time.